Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. ...on this planet is so that I can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's always a good week whenever I get to stand here before you, behind this thing that we call a pulpit, and declare to you the things that I have discovered in God's word from week to week. But there is also a special treat in my life when I get to step out from behind this and, and sit with my wife in a worship service and listen and learn. It's a special joy to me when it's one of our people. I, I love guest speakers. That's great. Folks from the outside who can bring influence and ideas that we've never heard before. But there's a special treat uh, that I experience in my heart whenever it's one of us who says, um, the Lord has called me. And uh, I will answer with yes. Brooke Thomas is one of our own. Brooke, come join me. You guys who've been around here more years than I got to see her when she was this big and this big and this big. You got to raise her. You got to watch her um, talk about receiving Christ as a child and live that out as a teenager. Go away to college and then, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, you started crazy talk. Like like quitting a perfectly good, well-paying <laughs> job and leaving family and friends and professional network and all because <laughs> because Jesus has laid claim on your life. We say that. Brooke walked it out. She's halfway-ish mm-hmm. through um, your commitment. Where the Lord takes you from there is up to him, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> but um, let's do this. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on Brooke. Because if she comes today, I told her in my office this morning, we're not looking for the glorified version of what I did on my summer vacation. What we're looking for is the telltale signs of the movement of God's Holy Spirit in the life of this woman and through her um, and her friends in the extreme Nazarene. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus. Brooke said yes to you many times over, including the yes for today. To come and share with and challenge us to stretch out in faith and in obedience. As she has been obedient, we pray, Lord, that you would just pile high the blessings on her. But now we pray that your Holy Spirit, who lives in her heart, would do what the scriptures indicate sometimes happens. He comes upon us in power so that we might boldly proclaim the word of truth. This is what we want for our sister Brooke. We also ask that you would come to our hearts and give us ears to hear what your spirit says to the church. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hello. Um. As Cliff mentioned, I'm, I am from Lewiston. My name's Brooke Thomas. Those of you who don't know me, it's weird to come back and not recognize people. Um, my family moved here when I was in first grade, and I was a part of this church, was raised by this church, um, left to go to college at NNU, um, was teaching fourth grade there uh, until about two years ago, a year and a half ago, um, and so I'm here today just to tell you about what we're doing, what we're doing in extreme, kind of continuing what Paula and Alyssa were talking about last week, um, and bring you the good news from, from the mission field. And just thank you so much. You guys are my base of, of support, <laughs> prayerfully, spiritually, emotionally, um, and financially. You guys, you guys are it. So thank you. <laughs> um, thank you, and I hope I can honor that today with, with sharing what we've done. Um, what God's doing. We have done very, very little. God has done an incredible amount. Um, So I'm going to start just with this information. Um, If you want to get out your phone, take a picture of that, put it in there, write it down. Um, This is just to continue with the journey. If you haven't been able to keep up so far, um, I'll get you caught up to speed right now. We have 10 more months um, and God's going to do incredible stuff in the next 10 months. So I my on Facebook, you can friend me. I put links to my blog on 
on Facebook. Puerta Abierta Cordoba is the name of our church. It's the Open Door Church of the Nazarene in Cordoba. That's our Facebook uh, name. So you can friend our church on Facebook. Um, it's all in Spanish, but the pictures are bilingual. So it's a really cool technology we have. You can go see all of our pictures of our church and, and what we're doing get, um, Keep up that way. My blog is Begun in Faith at blogspot.com. Um, and again, there's links to that on my Facebook page. And I write a blog post, not as often as I should, but once or twice a month. Um, and it's just stories of what's, what God's doing um, and updates of, of what's going on. And then my email address, bthomas at extremenazarene.org. If you have any questions, my big like struggle yesterday as I was continuing to put more details on what I was going to say today. I, I went to both of my parents several times. It's like, I have so much to say. <laughs> I have so much I want to share. I don't know what to focus on. I don't know what to say. Um, so I will probably leave things out, and you might leave here with questions. So if you have any questions about, about the mission, about Extreme, about Argentina, about me, send me a Facebook message, send me an email, um, and I'd lo- I love talking about this. So I'd love to, to continue the conversation with you. Um, I, I think the last time I was on this stage, gosh, two years ago, um, was when I was doing my initial fundraising and I was telling you all about Antofagasta, Chile. And I really appreciate your prayers for that city because there are some great missionaries there who are doing great work. I'm not one of them, but they are just awesome. Um, because of because of your faithfulness, because of God's faithfulness, I had all of my fundraising done like crazy fast. <laughs> um, and so they called me about three months early and were like, hey, you know, we have this open spot on this other team if you want to go right now. And I had nine days and I was still teaching. I think I was putting in uh, third quarter grades or something like that. I was like, uh, sure, maybe let me call, let me call my mom and let her chew me out for a little bit. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'll be there in nine days. Um, flew to Quito uh, to do my, our training. And uh, now we're in Cordoba, Argentina. So this is Argentina. Uh, Cordoba is the, is the green star. It's in the center of, of Argentina. Um, it's the second largest city in Argentina. So our next slide is, is what Cordoba looks like. Um, my mom was with me the last couple weeks there, and it's, it's not huts, and uh, there are cockroaches, but it's a city, um, and it's, it's a unique challenge. This is Extreme's first church plant in, in Argentina, um, and what Extreme does, they're an incredible organization that partners with the Nazarene Church. They are Nazarene, so it's Nazarene doctrine, it's Bible-based, it's, it's powerful, it's connected to the Nazarene district. Um, the Nazarene Church already exists in Argentina, um, but they don't have any churches, well, they do now, <laughs> have a church in the city of Cordoba, but this church is connected to the district, connected to the region of, of Nazarene churches. Um, but what Extreme does is they send a team of of missionaries, of young adults, to um, start a brand new church that uses what's called the master's plan, which is very similar to what you guys do with your connection groups, which is um, based on small groups. It's based on discipleship and leadership. Uh, So we go in as church leaders, which is weird when you don't have a church. It's just the 10 of you showing up every Sunday, but we're the church leaders. And um, now that we have more people in church. We're training them to be leaders, training them to lead small groups, um, and it's disciples making disciples. Um, so it, we do have Sunday services, but a lot of our church is based on those small groups of, of Cordoba, Cordoba-based Argentine people uh, leading small groups, inviting their friends and family to small groups, and changing lives, changing hearts through those relationships that already exist, through those um, networks of, of families and and relationships and bringing them into the church, um, which is unique in Argentina. So the extreme has, is only in South America right now. It's soon going to change. But uh, they've planted churches like this in Peru and Ecuador and Paraguay uh, where it's a different lifestyle. It's, um, 
It's very kind of a more traditional Latino lifestyle, South American lifestyle. So they're very friendly. They're very family-oriented. They have huge families, and they're very open. Um, It's a Catholic continent. (laughs) But you go there, you present the truth, you present what the Bible says, and they are open. They're ready to receive it and ready to... um, to grasp this vision. Not to say that there aren't challenges, because of course there's always challenges, but what we've faced in Argentina is another set of challenges in that it's a very westernized city. Uh, so it, it feels a lot like the United States <laughs> when you go there. It's, um, it has a lot of influences from, from Europe, from um, Italy, Spain, Germany, And because there's a lot of universities, this is a picture of the university district, all the students, uh, there's a lot of atheism, there's a lot of Buddhism, there's a lot of spiritism, um, Eastern uh, religions, and it has that more city American feel of we're tolerant of everything, what is true for you is true for you, and... um, Satan is just so incredibly intelligent. Um, not very powerful, but incredibly intelligent in how he gets those lies into, into our lives. Um, and so that's what we've, we've been um, facing, what God's been uh, battling for us and getting the victory over for us uh, in Cordoba in Argentina. So today I, I'm going to go through and introduce you to our team quickly. This is actually our church. Look at that. Good group of people. This was last Sunday. Uh, this is in our brand new church building that we bought um, a couple weeks ago. So this is our church building. Our It belongs to the Nazarene church, <laughs> the Nazarene district, um, but we're not paying rent on it anymore, which is a huge blessing, a huge answer to months and years of prayer. Um, and this is our church family. This is one service, and uh, usually, we have two Sundays every service, and between the two, we're running about 45 people right now, um, and this is a portion of that, because it was our first Sunday in the building, we had just had one service all together, um, so there's people missing here, but this is, uh, this is our church, and this actually is mostly just Cordo-based people in this picture, because our worship team is behind the camera, so that's why I'm not in this picture. Um, and... Next slide. So we took a bunch of pictures because it's our big celebration. These are our pastors. This is Junior and Jassy. They are actually Brazilian, um, but they've been living in Argentina for a long time. They they are very incredibly wise, um, and they will continue with the church after we leave. So our team is leaving in 10 months. They will continue there as, as the pastoral family. The next slide is our team leaders, which is the Stringer family, Chris and Andy and their daughters, Jen and Juliana. They live with us missionaries there are kind of family emotional support um, as missionaries. Next slide. These are the people that you have sent to Argentina to start a church. Why? I don't know. Uh, These are missionaries. Um, Paul and Alyssa shared last week that that Extreme uses teams of 10 missionaries. Um, If you're not good at counting, there's six people there. Uh, And this is part of the reality of, of mission work is that it's hard, and it's hard, and it continues being hard. Um, and so we've had people leave, and we've had periods of, of grieving and um, recovery from that, and um, which leads us into our first story, which is actually a story of Laura. I'm going to call her Laura. Sorry, it's on the next slide. Nope, it's not. This is another picture of our church family. We'll come back to this. We're going to start with our story. Uh, This is Laura. I'm going to try to call her Laura. Her name's Laura, but it messes me up if I try to roll R's in the middle of my sentences. So this is Laura. Um, And we met her a year ago. And so I just want to paint a picture of of what this past year has been like, because I don't want it to sound like This is mission field, so it's special, and special things happen in the mission field. Or these are missionaries, and they're special people, and they can do special things. Because we're not. (laughs) And um, so we met Laura a year ago. We had been on the field about three months. And um, through life, and it's the same for us as, as missionaries, you kind of get this high of, okay, I have a direction from God, I know I'm, in, I'm 
walking in his will. Um, I'm following his leading. And then this kind of reality sets in and the attacks start coming. The fatigue sets in. Um, and if we... I don't know if I can generalize this, but I can say for us as the, this missionary team... Um, we were very vulnerable to Satan's attacks. And I think part of it was um, not having... We came in and we're all just people in our 20s. <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't understand then the, the necessity of prayer, of really intensive prayer and depending on God for everything, um, which just opened some doorways for sin and weakness because we were depending on ourselves and, and not on God and that destroyed our team. Um, and made ministry really hard. And God uses everything for our good and used all of that for our good and the good of Cordoba. Um, and so he was working on our hearts uh, in this time. Laura had recently moved to Cordoba. So this is part of a very common thing in 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 Cordoba is that it's broken families. Um, they, you don't have to get married to receive all the benefits of like the governmental so benefits of being married. So a lot of people don't get married. So there's no commitment there in the family. And so it's uh, kids from different places. People uh, live together for a while, live apart for a while, um, which is so <laughs> difficult to to use this model that we thought we were going to come in and be like, okay, we save one, we save the whole family. It's true, but the family is only one person. <laughs> and so it's meeting a lot of single moms, a lot of single dads, and, and doing ministry that way, uh, which was hard at the beginning. So this is where, where we met uh, Laura. She was living with her five-year-old daughter and just had so much anger in her tiny body. I was just blown away. We met her... Um, in, a, in an ice cream store, just completely random, not even doing an event, just ran into her, built this friendship, invited her to our small groups, um, which is the basis of our church. And she was coming once a month, twice a month, and um, I had personally, um, I think I might have shared this story last time I was here, we had had a similar story of another mom, and she had come into our church and was like super on fire, and we were super on fire, we were super excited, and um, then she just disappeared, and what had been going on was that uh, she thought she would come to this church, she would leave an offering, and she would be healed of the sickness she had been battling, and didn't stay long enough to understand the truth, didn't stay long enough for us to correct those misunderstandings, and just disappeared. And uh, that just broke my heart. <laughs> and I didn't know where to go from there. And so to have another very similar situation in the Lord, how do we keep this from happening? How do, if we only have, and you see like the days dripping away of like this two years that you have, and you're counting down the months of we only have this much time left, we only have this much time left, where, what are we doing? Um, and my pastor really, my, uh, pastor Jassy really encouraged me just to say, we can't, there's so many different, um, struggles that people are facing. We can't fix everything. We can't put the band-aids on everything. And so we can't, in our first meeting with everyone, destroy all of Satan's lies and fill them with truth in that first meeting. We can't. So what do we do? got to pray. You got to pray. And you got to pray and you got to pray and you got to pray. Um, and uh, in the worship set, uh, the passage that we read, I think it was from Luke, of Jesus' crucifixion, where he says before taking his last breath, God, why have you abandoned me? This is where we were as missionaries, and we were supposed to be caring <laughs> for this woman, and we were as missionaries saying, God, why have you abandoned me? Um, and Jesus was referencing Psalm 22, which is a, a psalm of David. So I'm going to read from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy. O oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, and your fathers, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. And you they trusted and were not disappointed. And this is all we had at that point was this testimony of all the miracles that God had done to bring us to this point. All the miracles in our fundraising, all the miracles in every detail of getting us to Cordoba. God had been so faithful. And we couldn't see where he was working in that moment, but we knew he had been faithful in the past, so we trusted that he would be faithful in the future. We continued praying, we continued doing our part, um, and continued recognizing that our part wasn't enough. Um, as the months went on, uh, I'm, I'm just telling louder story, but there's obviously dozens of stories, dozens of people that came out of this time that was a year ago. Um, and... On my heart was this idea of, of commitment um, because I had seen this other woman who by her lack of commitment, her lack of, of perseverance, had lost everything. She was on the path to understanding, to knowing God, and she just threw it all away. And so I just was praying that, that these people would have a supernatural commitment to see this out and that we would have more and more commitment to prayer and um, to leaning on on God's strength. And uh, probably six months had gone by. It was December. And Laura had continued just that coming every once in a while. It's a small group coming every once in a while to church. She had a lot of excuses. She had a lot of reasons not to come. Her family lived far away. Um, but God had already started to change her. We were seeing that she didn't have as much anger as she had before. And she was starting to see that too, of the more time I spend in this building and with these crazy Americans, the more truth that I allow to sink into my ears, sink into my heart, something is changing inside of me. And um, she came to us in December and she actually called and said, hey, can I meet with you guys? I'm going through some weird stuff. Um, I just need someone to talk to. We're like, yes, please come talk to us. We want to talk to you. And so we sat and listened. And um, a lot of the same stuff, difficulties in her family. But one thing that was odd was that her five-year-old, her precious Sophia, was starting to act really strange. And... um, we listened. We kind of gave her some practical advice. We're like, you know, it's probably just a phase. And she was like, yeah, probably, but it's really weird. And she's never done this before. And she was just saying, talking strangely and being like, uh, acting like a teenager. She said she was acting like she's like 16 and she's always been just super innocent. She was four at the time. Um, and just saying weird things that I've never heard her say before. And I don't know what's going on. We're like, well, you know, we'll, we'll be praying for you. Like, what else do you do? <laughs> Give her some advice, some parent advice, and, and, you know, we'll just kind of see how it goes. We're here for you. We know that you'll need some time to vent, those sort of things. We're here to listen, whatever you need. And uh, we shared this with our pastors. And we're like, you know, Laura actually called us, and she wanted to hang out with us, but she's kind of going through this stuff. So we were kind of all on the same page. And our pastors had the same thing, like, She's four. She's just going through whatever. She's in school. She's picking up. She's hearing whatever from the TV. And uh, about a week later, our pastora, our pastors, sorry, side note, pastors, married, but they're both pastors. So anyway, pastor, junior, pastora, Jassy, called me, pastora. It's like, I had this really weird dream last night, and I think we need to call Laura and spend some more time with her, because I think there might be something else going on. I was like, okay, so we, we hang out with her again and start kind of asking some more questions. And, and Pastora was, was asking her some weird questions about, like, your family, history. Is there anyone who, who is angry with you or you have a tense relationship with? And she started to kind of open up. She's like, you know, my, my mother-in-law has been really upset with me recently. Not her, my mother-in-law, sorry, her ex-husband's mo- mother and like, okay, this is going to sound weird. <laughs> Stay with us here. Is there any, like, 
spiritual things that your family is into. And she's like, well, my mom, or this woman, practices witchcraft. I'm like, okay. And Sophie spent a week with her last month. Okay. The pastor shares this dream, and she's like, again, we want you, this is your, da- this is your daughter, this is your family, but I wanted to share this with you, that I had a dream that, that Satan was trying to attack you, and he couldn't, so he's trying to attack you through your daughter. We want to pray with you over this. We want to support you through this. Um, but this is your daughter, this is your family. You're going to need to make a choice. You're going to need to choose to be obedient, choose to depend on God for this, um, which was something that, that Laura had never been presented with before. This choice of, okay, am I going to obey or am I going to continue doing what I'm doing? And so we invited her. We said, uh, we fast every Sunday. We would like to fast this Sunday for Sophia. We'd like to invite you to bring her to church so we can pray over her. And she thought about it. She was a little hesitant, but she's, she said, you know, I've tried everything else. And as a mom, this still just feels really, really wrong to me. And I think there is something legitimately wrong. And I think that God is the answer. So yes, I'm going to commit to pray over Sophia and fast with you and bring her to church on Sunday. She did that. We prayed over Sophia. On the walk home, Lara told us later that it was completely different that she had her four-year-old again. She was happy. She was joyful. She was exactly as she had been two months ago. And in that moment, you have a choice (laughs) to say, is this a coincidence? Is this just timing? Or did God just do a miracle? (laughs) And she, by the grace of God, knew this is a miracle, and this God is a powerful God that I did not expect. And, there's, and this is a God that I need to be trusting my life to. And what became of this was an answer to hundreds of prayers <laughs> in one situation. Um, in the, the Sophia was herself again, that Laura, her eyes had been opened to see God for the first time, and that God had planted the seed of commitment in her, of walking in obedience, of choosing to do, uh, to depend on God for everything. And from that moment on, in December, she's been in the church every time the doors are open. And she had legitimate excuses not to come. And she's decided, this is my priority. Over all of these other excuses, I'm going to be at church. Uh, she's now, this was, this was literally last January, so this is eight months ago. She's now our, um, one of our church leaders. Uh, she's the only one of our, so she went to a leadership training in February with eight other leaders, those eight had some church background. Uh, Not a lot, but some. And so she's our only one who's just completely brand new, baby Christian. Um, And the amazing thing about this God's plan, really, which is discipleship, is that even though it was frustrating at first and we were just bombarded with Maybe it's not right for Argentina. Maybe it's not right for us. As I'm, sh- I know it's the same in the states of small group, but it's extra time. But it's in someone's home. But maybe it's not comfortable. But maybe it's, but it's how God works, <laughs> and it is how God works, and it's how God works every time. Um, and so, the next picture. This is Laura. This is a picture. They stole my phone and took a selfie. So jokes on them. I get to use it in my sermon. Uh, This is Laura. So in our uh, organization of the church, we have our pastors and then they have 12 disciples. And each of those 12 disciples has 12 disciples. And each of those 12 disciples has 12 disciples. Please, God, in the next, (laughs) let that be true. Um, Because right now it's kind of the pastors and their disciples and a smattering of disciples. Because we're still growing, because we've been in in there for a year. Um, So while I'm still in Cordoba, I'm a disciple of our pastors. 
Laura is my disciple. And as we're moving forward, this is Sophia, who's going to become one of Laura's disciples. And so with just eight months of being a Christian, she's pouring, and she has been, (laughs) this isn't like it's just starting today, but she's been pouring her life into Sophia's life. They have the same name as her daughter, but this is a different Sophia, sorry. Um, So this is Sophia. She's 20, um, which just speaks, just kind of blows my mind in another way of just Laura's 30, Sophia's 20, I'm 28, and somehow God is using us to (laughs) change hearts and change, change Argentina. So it's, it's incredible. Um, and Sophia was actually a neighbor of ours who um, we would see her regularly because she had a shop right close to our house. So we go over to her house. She speaks English, which is really cool. So we'd speak English together, and that was kind of it, where she wanted to speak English with us, but nothing more. And um, I'm just kind of blown away by this chapter in Psalms. I'm going to continue reading in Psalms 22. Um, Again, this is started out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Continues through realizing God has been faithful. I have the testimonies of my past, of the past of other people. I know this is a God who's trustworthy, even if I can't see him right now. Um, Verse 26. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. Um, When we started meeting with Sophia... um, she told us that she had been hurt by the church. Um, her family had moved to the United States when she was four. She lived there um, for a few years, and it was in the time in the Catholic Church where there was a lot of of talk of um, priests hurting children, and she was she was a child in that time, and just had this fear of church, this fear of the power of of church leaders, and. Um, for that reason, wasn't a part of the Catholic Church as the rest of her family was. Um, and we started to kind of feel that out of, well, do you believe in, in God? What do you think about prayer? What do you think about the Bible? And she started sharing, and, and she was like, you know, I, I believe that God is real. I believe that he exists, and I believe that the Bible is true. But, you know, my mom tells me that that I can only pray when I'm in church in the cathedral or that, that I can only understand the Bible because of the priest. Then I have to worship the saints and I have to pray to Mary and I have to ask the priest for forgiveness. And that just doesn't seem right to me. But I believe in God and I believe in the Bible. But my mom says I'm an atheist because I don't believe in everything else. We're like, honey, <laughs> you're not an atheist. You're a Christian, <laughs> and you are right on. And praise God for His for how the Holy Spirit was already preparing and already instructing your heart. We're like, we invite you to come to church to learn more, to learn more about what the Bible says, learn more about who God is and what He wants to do in your life. And she said, I just can't. My mom would not let me. Um, and we're like, okay, well, we'll be praying. We ask you to pray. So she prayed. Shows up for a house of prayer. <laughs> and continued praying. Showing up to church. Continued praying. Showed up with her boyfriend. Continued praying. Boyfriend at church. Boyfriend at, at house of prayer. They both come to our leadership training retreat. And again, every time we went to her, we're like, you know, Sophia, we're really praying for your mom. Why don't you invite your mom? She's like, I can't. I can't. There's no way. It's impossible. There's, she's, she hates Christians. She's a Catholic. She hates Christians. And that's another, sorry, Catholic in South America, different Catholic here. But that's, that's the Catholic Church is worshiping saints, worshiping priests. It's idolatry-based. Um, we're like, okay. We have the short-term team coming. This was in May. 
oh, we're going to do this big event, and there's going to be a circus, there's going to be a preacher from Columbia, it's going to be awesome. And she's like, okay, I think I can invite my mom to that. I'm like, sweet. So the event comes, Sophia comes, boyfriend Andres, mom, Erica, and both of her younger siblings come to our big event. And her mom comes forward to accept Christ at the end of the event. And, yep. (laughs) In June, um, her mom started coming to church and was like, I really, I want to get more involved in the church, but I have this two-year-old. She has kidney disease. We're in and out of the doctor all the time. I'm just so scared um, because I... It's genetic. Her brother had it, but her brother, brother had the surgery when we were in the States, and now she's going to have to have the surgery here in Argentina. I just don't know what to do. Well, let's pray. <laughs> um, and God had been working in my heart through all of this and really challenging me in my, in my prayer, in my faith. Um, and just I had this feeling that God wanted to heal Bianca. But I don't have, like we talked about the authority of Lada over her daughter. I don't have that authority over Bianca. And I don't know how to pray for healing if, and I do, I've never done this before. But I just kind of felt like God wanted to heal her. So I was praying every day. Um, we prayed as a church. Uh, but there's so much mess in a family. <laughs> so much mess in a family. And there were so many other priorities and big things that we needed to be praying over. Um, and that's what I love about this, this passage in, in Psalm 22, that all the families of the nations will worship before you. And Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And our God is a God of, of healing, restoring, and creating new life. And I hope that, that these stories can just be a testimony for you. When, if you are in that place of God, why have you abandoned me? I want you to know that God is big and powerful, and he's a God of restoration in families. He's a God of healing. He's a God of creating new things. And in this family that was starting to believe in that, starting to believe in Christ, we just prayed that There's no room for a dead kidney in this family. There's no room for death in this family that God would create life. Um, And middle of July, so I'm going to go to the next slide, which is Sophia doing evangelism in the park with us. And the next slide is, this is last Sunday. Sophia was working. She couldn't come. Uh, So this is her younger brother, Jeffrey. He's 13. He's silent in church, but he is on top of the church schedule, and he brings the family to church. If there's something going on at the church, he's bugging someone to take him there. Her boyfriend, Andres, is is above, and he um, is such a man of God with that potential in him of so caring, has that servant's heart of, of serving his family and serving his church family. This is Bianca, who's, who's three, and for the past five weeks has not had any pain. She hasn't had any more infections in her kidneys, and she hasn't been back to the doctor in five weeks. This, this is Erica's boyfriend, um, Bianca's dad, Sophia's stepdad, um, Gerardo, who is a police officer. He's the macho, Argentine, Latino man, and he's in church celebrating with his family. This is Erica, who in this service, if you go to the next slide, this was at the end of her, her encounter weekend. So these encounter weekends are our leadership training, but really it's just two days of, okay, what does the Bible say? What is God's truth for you? What are the broken, the dead areas of your life that God wants to bring back to life? Um, and in this church service at the end, um, Bianca in front of the entire church 
asked her son for forgiveness, asked her husband for forgiveness. Um, She went home that night and called her dad, talked to her dad about asking him for forgiveness, forgiving him. Uh, And it's just a miracle. And it's just miracle after miracle after miracle. Um, And the very last part of this chapter in Psalm 22 um, says that posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. And when Jesus was on the cross with all of his pain, all of his physical pain, all of his emotional pain for carrying our sin in his body. This is what he wanted to tell us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which was a phrase that every person there would have known, would have known that this is Psalm 22, that this is the declaration of David. And if you read the rest of the chapter, it speaks of the prophecies of Jesus. It speaks of his bones will not be broken. It speaks of his hands will be pierced. This is talking about Jesus. And it ends with a generation who has not been born will know of him. And uh, the next slide, I want to just talk briefly about the Great Commission. Go the next slide. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is our faith. This is where we get our power that combats every lie in our heads of my coworkers won't want to come to my connection group. My brother is too far gone. My husband is too far gone. They aren't people of faith. They aren't people who understand God. All authority on earth and in heaven has been given to Jesus, and he wants to, see, to heal those people. He wants to restore those people. He wants to create new life in them. But he wants to use humans. God and I have talked about this a lot, and I have not changed his mind yet. If you want to join me, we'll pray that God will change his mind and not use humans. But for the entire history of creation, he's been using humans and he will continue to use humans. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you is really hard if we're not living all that God has commanded us. That's the risk of disciples making disciples making disciples, is that somewhere up there, we have to be living the life that we want our disciples to live. I know in my soul that Erica needs to pray every day because she's a mess, (laughs) because she's been a Christian for like three hours. She needs to pray. She needs to be reading her Bible. She needs to get all of that goodness in her that will, that will, shine light on all of her darkness. But if I'm not doing that, there's no way she's going to do that. She's my disciple. We are all disciples of Jesus. And if I'm living on my strength, if I'm thinking, well, I don't need to read my Bible anymore. I already know what it says. I don't need to sit and pray. God already knows what I'm going to say. How are my disciples going to do any different? Observe all that I commanded you. Um, I'm going to insert, go rent War Room and watch it with your family and do it. If you've already seen it, do it. (laughs) Pray, 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 pray. It's the foundation of everything and it's how God changes communities, changes families, how he's changing Lewiston, how he's changing our church. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God doesn't send us to places. He doesn't send us to Argentina. He doesn't send us to the coffee room to chat up the boss about our connection group. He goes with us. He is with us always, and he goes ahead of us. He's talking to people. He's preparing their hearts before we even think to talk to them, to invite them to what's going on. And their hearts are ready, and it's stuff that God wants to do. He wants to restore our families. 
He wants to grow our connection groups. He wants to expand his kingdom. Um, Last week, Paul mentioned that um, it's not, it doesn't help us on the field if we're receiving your tithe money because it hurts this church and we need this church to be strong. Um, I don't know if I'm quoting that correctly, but anyway, (laughs) he was talking about um, you're giving your tithe to Lewiston Church, but you're giving offering to us because we need Lewiston Church to be strong. It's the same spiritually, that if we're expanding the kingdom in Lewiston, it's expanding the kingdom, <laughs> and it's helping us in Argentina. Um, and it's, it's more people who are coming here and praying. It's more people who, who are hearing, more people who are supporting us um, through prayer. And um, we are going to take an offering, and that offering is for... Um, our church building, as I said, my, uh, my personal funding is all taken care of. I would encourage you to support financially Paul and Alyssa. I know they were really focused on prayer last week, um, so I'm going <laughs> to talk for them and ask you to support them financially as well. Um, their job is so important, and I think what they are creating in keto is going to solve a lot of problems that our team faced um, where we didn't have that that education, that training that they're going to be giving to new to new um, missionaries that are going out on the field. Uh, we're also going to take an offering for for our church building. Um, we just bought it. We knocked out a wall. Uh, we put up some curtains and we had church. <laughs> um, and we'd like to do some more. We'd like to take out some more walls. We'd like to um, build some more classrooms so that we have more room to grow in in that building. Um, before we take offering, I'd like to ask the connection group leaders to come up one more time so we can pray over our connection groups, um, and then and then we'll take an offering. Is that okay? Okay. So if you were a leader or a host of a connection group, could you come back up? You won't have to talk this time, if that's any um, motive to do what I'm asking you to do. I don't know. Sometimes my English words, the Spanish word comes, not the English word. And then church family, if we could stand and um, not lay hands, but reach out hands to these people, these servants, um, because it's all of us. <laughs> we need them to be strong. We need our, our connection groups to be strong um, and places where we can invite our friends and our family members to come. So if you will reach out your hands to these people and we're, we're going to pray over them and over our houses of prayer. God... We thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for your craziness that you use these people to change hearts, to expand your kingdom, God. And we just pray your blessing over their lives. We pray for their families. We pray for their marriages, Lord. We pray for, for their relationships with you, that, that they would have a hunger and a thirst to spend more time in your presence, and that they would see what you are doing in their lives, Lord. That they would see the answers to their prayers. That they would see your hand moving through, through their hearts, cleansing and purifying them, strengthening their marriages, uh, restoring their relationships with their kids, with their siblings, with their parents. God, I just pray that you would bless them for their obedience, that they are opening their homes, that they are following you, Lord. I pray that you would give them more faith, more strength to do that, um, and that, that we would trust them with our families, Lord, that we would bring our families to these houses of prayer, that these um, house, sorry, houses of prayer, these connection groups, <laughs> um, that these connection groups would be houses of prayer, um, that they would be a place where we come together, where we worship you, uh, where we learn more about you, where your truth, your light would, would eradicate the darkness in our souls, in our families, Lord. I pray these connection groups would grow that they would multiply, uh, that they would be lights in this community. We pray for more leaders. We pray for more hosts, Lord. We pray that the people who come as guests would be transformed into leaders, be transformed into hosts of more connection groups, Lord. We pray for this, this family 
this church, Lord, that you would continue to use the discipleship that's already going on, Lord. We praise you for for their hearts. I praise you for their hearts. I praise you that I can be a disciple of these people, that I am the fruit of, of what you are doing here in Lewiston First Church, and I pray that that would continue, Lord, that the children that come out of this church would be, would be leaders, would be servants, Lord, that, would, that this heart that this, that this church family has would just continue to reach out to the poor, to reach out to the hurting, reach out to those needs that are not being met, and that our children would see it, that our children would become servants and leaders in this community, that this would be a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. Brooke, thank you very much. Let's uh, say thank you the way we know how. Okay. And are you ready to, uh, to join with Brooke and her church family financially to help um, make the work happen there in Cordoba? She mentioned they've, they were able to, to purchase a building, but it's not a church building and it's not ideal for the kind of things that you do in church. And so they need to remove some walls and, uh, I don't know, more curtains? Need more curtains? I, more Maybe. curtains would help. Okay. <laughs> But we're hoping to, like, get rid of the things that the curtains are covering up. Okay. Liberate the need of the curtains. We, yes. So um, building needs some help. And so we want to join with you and, um, and your other church family yes. to help make the work of God happen there. We're thrilled to death to hear Laura's story and Sophia's story and Bianca's story. We want to see them done here, too. Listen, Brooke taught us something very important today. We can't help that church go somewhere that we're not willing to go. We, we can't pray that they'll go and be effective and that we'll stay comfortable, right? So understand that as we give an offering today, ushers are coming. Remember that as we give an offering today, it's also a pledge that we will become the church that God is leading us to be in this valley so that those who go out from here can have a ministry that bears fruit as well. All right? Um, Worship team, let's play and sing. You join us in worshiping in two ways.